Hi there, folks. David Mann from the Access Louisville podcast. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up before listening to this show that we had a problem with one of our microphones. It was my microphone. Uh, and this uh, audio quality on this show isn't great. Uh, I, I went ahead and uploaded it because I thought it was a good conversation. But uh, I wanted to warn you before you got into it. Uh, so if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of the show and you just want to listen, go right ahead. I really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to skip this one because the audio is terrible, man, I totally understand that too. Anyway, thank you. On with the show. Norton Commons has a few things in the works. We'll talk about that, plus a big change at Churchill Downs. That's all next on the Access Louisville podcast. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Jason Thomas. Good to be here. Jason's become a regular on this yeah, show. I'm lately. enjoying this. And back from what I assume she was off trying to cure COVID-19, Brooke Timmons on the show for the first time in a while. Hi. Hi there. I forgot how to say hi on the podcast. <laughs> howdy. Hi there. I think you, you did howdy for a long time, and then maybe you switched it up. I can't remember. We all have uh, different intros that we do. So I need to go back to my what it is. What I liked I what liked, it is. I liked your what it yeah, is. I was yeah. just that was cool. People just wouldn't get that. So it's, it's my thing. Uh, you know, I think it, I, I like it. It was very, it's very good. Right. Next time. Um, next time. Next time. Uh, anyway, Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news and plenty of sharp opinions on what's going on here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we're going to talk about Norton Commons first. Jason, you just wrote about some new seasonal shops that are going uh, going up there. So what's happening out in Norton Commons? Yeah, it's, uh, like you said, six seasonal shops. They actually opened today, the, the, the day that we're recording this podcast, Friday, April 23rd. So... I'm not sure when this is gonna the hit, but it's uh yeah the, should hit today. Open. All right, yeah, but it'll, it'll be going on then. It starts at around three o'clock. They go, uh, yeah, it's um, six shops in those little cottages at the um, the village market area in Norton Commons. So you'll have Steel City Pops. You got Alchemy Restaurant. You got Garden Girl Foods, which is an organic preserved good seller. You'll have a couple of uh, retail spots. You got Bluegrass Witch, which is a, which is a uh, it's a beauty boutique. And another boutique, Nicole and B, which is a women's clothing purveyor. You got to say purveyor in Norton Commons, right? Yes, yes. And I don't think there are any shops. There are purveyors. <laughs> right, purveyors. <laughs> and finally, you have Found in a Field, which is a, a handmade jeweler. Yeah. Yeah, and these, these shops run through uh, the December shopping season, so plenty of time to get out there. And uh, as that shopping season comes online later in the year, they'll usually bring a couple more retail spots in there. So stay tuned. All right. Uh, late addition to the show, Chris Larson is here. Larson, we were talking about watches earlier. You need to get one, I guess. <laughs> I got one. Uh, so, do you want do you want my sad excuse, or do we just want to move want to move on? Because I got a sad excuse. Is it is it podcast worthy? We, we, uh, we're we're already going. So, all right. Uh, just a little bit of you know hashtag work from work from home real life. Uh, our two-year-old got at our uh, router and modem and unplugged them 
right as I was wrapping up the interview to come here, so I had to wait for everything to reboot. And, oh, yeah. Blame it on the kids. Blame it on the kids. I got this two-year-old who I love dearly, but can also be like this little like whirling dervish of a child. Yeah. <laughs> nice use of whirling dervish. Whirling dervish. That's a good one. Chris has some of the best lines here at Business First. Instead, <laughs> The coronavirus landed a haymaker on uh, crowd attendance at sports in a story earlier today, and I really appreciated it. So. He's also good for some really complex words that I don't understand, but sound great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go back to Norton Commons. Yes. We're going to talk. Chris is going to talk to us a little later about uh, uh, Jim, or excuse me, James Ramsey being back in, in the news. Uh, but uh, right now, so, so Norton Commons, they've also got. A new food truck Friday. I guess is that starting today as well? It, yeah, it does. Um, actually, the only time I've ever been in Norton Commons happened, happened to be on a uh, a food truck Friday, and it was, it was really cool. They have just you know your your area food trucks line up there, and they also have some uh, some live music and micro brewers. So it's a pretty festive atmosphere out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And another story that we did this week about Norton Commons, uh, they got a new bourbon bar going on out there. What's it called? They do. It's called Watch Hill Proper, which sounds perfect. For that's that. a very Norton Commons. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's right. It's going to be located in the uh, the Lyric. It's that's the um, that's that seventy eight million dollar high end community that's being built out there by uh, Bristol Development. Mm-hmm. Gonna um, it's gonna have a big main bar and a smaller bar and a waiting room and a, a library room to expand your bourbon knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the big thing about this, it's a it's a mer- uh, members only uh, well it's not members only but you can't get a membership there it's also open to the public but you know if you become a member it has all kinds of perks and things like that so it's going to open in the first quarter of 2022 finally a place to wear my members only jacket. <laughs> <laughs> that joke is so old no, it's a classic though <laughs> so how does the membership work I, I guess you don't have to be a member to go but you get some perks yeah, if you are a member you don't have to be. You have to go online to apply. It's uh, at uh, watchhillproper.com, and there's a whole range of memberships. There's there's an exclusive founder uh, membership that they don't even list what the um, what the membership fees are for that, but that's probably the, the granddaddy of them all. And there's also a um, a resident membership. Let's see, for that the initiation fee is twelve hundred dollars with annual dues of nine hundred dollars. And uh, for the younger folks out there, they, yeah, there's a young professional membership for ages 21 to 29. The, the initiation fee is $900, and the um, let's see, the annual dues there are $600. So a little, little less for the younger folks, but um, members can get um, uh, premium bourbon tastings and barrel picks and a, a spirit locker and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble now. You know what my problem with Norton Commons is? Oh, let's hear it, David. Rampant jealousy. They have so much great stuff out there. But seriously, my problem with Norton Commons, it really is a nice place. But I hate that it's out there. It's like the, someone wanted an urban community. And instead of you know improving the urban community that we have in downtown Louisville, they built an urban community out there. And it's a nice community great restaurants and shops. I just would love, it's like, I would love to see that kind of investment and that kind of care taken to the core of Louisville rather than the suburbs of Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And that I, is you a know, good point. I think the, the biggest thing for me is it's a big white elephant in the room here is the, the lack of diversity, you know, out mm-hmm. there. It's, 
I, I actually pulled some census figure numbers and it, it looks like it's, it's 91% white in the prospect area there. Uh, you know, it's an exclusive area that per capita income is $86,000. A median household income is 173,000. The home value is about $380,000. So, uh, you know, it's an exclusive area, but the one time I was out there, you know, my fiance is half Vietnamese and she, you know, just felt a little, little out of place, if you will. So yeah. diversity could definitely increase out there. Well, I mean, I've been there and, and it is a nice place. I've, I've visited, I've done a couple of interviews out there here and, you know, over the years, but um, I'm stealing this line from someone. Uh, I can't remember who said it and I'm sorry, I'm not giving them credit, but there was some, some Louisvillian of the past. Uh, who said that uh, downtown is like the living room of our uh, community. And I, and I like that quote. And I feel like Norton Commons is mom and dad's bedroom of our community. And instead of investing a bunch of stuff in the living room that we can all enjoy, mom and dad are out there like, you know, sprucing up the, the master bedroom and like no one can enjoy that but them. But uh, anyway, it's it's and it's also jealousy so so yeah i'm definitely <laughs> it's very nice <laughs> living in that germantown schnitzelburg area I don't, I don't get out there too often so yeah but it is nice yeah i still, it's I still make it out there you know i live in the germantown uh area as well but i still make it out there because i have a lot of friends and family that live out there so a lot of times we'll meet out there just to walk in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh i'll tell you one of my favorite things to do is to play like hgtv and be like i cannot believe they painted that door that color <laughs> and or like imagine my life what it would be like if i lived in one of the houses and like yes. i just i love looking at all the architecture and like the different colors and the color schemes and stuff like that in houses so even if you don't live out there you're definitely welcome to 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 join in walk around you know go for a walk uh eat at the restaurants and and things like that so i mean it is it does have that like exclusivity kind of thing feeling i think from the outside but once you're there like you know everyone's welcome to come in and 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 use the use the land and whatever yeah. so i went to point. uh verbena cafe back you know before the pandemic oh, place closed the, yeah, uh, yeah before I'm sad you know, that it closed yeah it closed during the pandemic but uh awesome place um and uh, i i can't remember what i had there it's some kind of biscuit dish they had that was terrific but uh, to, to brooks point real fast we you know we did the same thing we walked around the neighborhoods and there were people sitting out on their porch and uh, yeah, our kid Sebastian is—he was probably eh, three three years old at the time. He, they just love flowers and plants, and they were admiring some pretty flower. And we were talking to people on the porch, and they said, "Go ahead, pick it, take it." And we had a nice conversation. Aww. So yeah, it was a really friendly experience. We enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, one time uh, we were doing in business first. We do our uh, most expensive homes every month. Um, who was it that rode out there to get a picture of one of the most expensive homes? Brooke, was it you? I think it was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know, you probably worked up the whole neighborhood watch when you're out there taking photos of homes. I but think, uh, I think I definitely worked up the neighborhood watch taking a picture of this house. I was like, it's just for news. It's for news. And like, you know. <laughs> That's great. The, one of the times I went out there is I had, uh, when I first started Business First, I had this janky Mustang that I used to drive. And it was, uh, it was like uh, 20 years old or something. And like, I usually kept it in pretty good shape, but I was having a problem with the brakes that day. And it was making like the squeaky sounds. So I like come into town in my 96 <laughs> Mustang and the brakes are squeaking as I'm driving down the road. And I'm sure uh, someone called the police. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably. 
Hey, David, I, I should also mention that the farmer's market starts out there on April 25th. It's every Sunday from noon to four. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, lot, yeah, that's cool. A lot of uh, farmer's markets are starting up now. So mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. We'll switch gears. Sorry for the, uh, the jousting there, Norton Commons. We love you. <laughs> We're just giving you a hard time. Um, Let's see, let's switch gears here, talk a little more to Chris. Uh, James Ramsey, former president of University of Louisville, is back in the news. So what's going on, Chris? Uh, how did how is he back in the headlines? Right, so the lawsuit that the foundation, the University of Louisville Foundation, that is, and the University of Louisville filed against James Ramsey and other members of the leadership team while he was there um, has reached the prospect of settlement late last year, but we've learned closer to the beginning of, of this month in April that those talks have fallen apart. And uh, at least one attorney for, for one defendant wants to get the process moving again and has filed motions to begin the discovery process again. Um, now, the reason why this thing fell apart was that back in January, the sides had kind of reached some kind of agreement and what exactly was agreed to isn't clear. It's not in the court record. Yeah. And all the attorneys are kind of cagey on this because they don't want to, you know, try this case in the court of public opinion, at least they mm -hmm. limit that as much as possible. They do have so to they're tell trying to work it out on their own, I guess. But when it came time to start putting together an actual document to present to the court, uh, the defendants say that U of L tried to, write this very narrow and very specific agreement of the settlement that would in effect allow them to kind of come back at the defendants with other issues that would not have been articulated in that agreement as opposed to what the defendants were expecting which was mm -hmm. a broad hey we're just going to drop everything and we're all going to move on yeah there was so, some it was related to the irs i remember seeing that it's like some claims uh, of overpayment and how that could how the irs could get involved with with that exactly. claim. <laughs> so a little bit of context to set that up. Over the last couple of years, the IRS has taken a real hard look at overcompensation for organizations that are tax exempt. The University of Louisville Foundation is. And kind of the heart of the matter in this lawsuit is James Ramsey's and other people's management of the U of L Foundation. There's lots of accusations about them overspending at the foundation them making moves that actually decrease the value of the foundation's endowment um, and any number of other accusations that you can look in our coverage that we've detailed pretty well in other, other uh, news media. But the IRS has interest here because the, one of those core claims by the foundation is that James Ramsey was overcompensated. He actually pulled a salary from the university, but also pulled a salary from the foundation. And what was revealed, and I actually want to do a little bit of a hat tip, which is something that you might see reporters do on Twitter, um, a little bit of a hat tip to Chris Otts, who helped discover that, you know, there was this secret deferred compensation program, where on top of all of that, mm -hmm. Ramsey and other leaders, and even prominent people at the university who aren't necessarily top level leaders, were getting these deferred compensation payments. So the IRS would definitely have interest in a tax exempt foundation you know, paying its leaders too much. But that that claim and that issue that U of L has raised with 
the IRS is one of the things that the defendants want to see go away with a the settlement. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to reach that. But U of is not one ready. One defendant is trying that. to push the process forward so they can get a trial going at some point in the future. Yeah. Interesting thing to watch. Now, how how old uh, is that lawsuit? It's been going on for a long time, right? So I, I went back to it and looked it up because I knew that we were coming up on a uh, annual marker here. So it was filed on April 25th, almost three years to the day in 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the time you know listeners will hear this, it's probably you know going to be right cl- there close to a three year old lawsuit. And they're kind of seems later. Like, didn't it seem like James Ramsey was? Five years ago, like it seems like it, it seems was a long, long time ago. It does. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime I mean, ago. It's starting to get that way because I mean, you got to remember that there. After his dismissal, you had uh, Greg Postal step in in an interim role, right? For like eight months or something like that. And Maybe it seemed longer, longer than eight. Yeah, months, it seems but... longer, but there was a lot of stuff. You yeah. got to remember also there was the men's basketball, you know, issue. All, all that was happening at the same time. That's on top of that. And when you have that chaos and when you have that, um, you know, scandal, it just stretches out time. And mm-hmm. um, Rick you know, Pitino's already found forever. his way back into the NCAA, um, you know, the big dance Iona, with another team. Iona. So <laughs> in the time it's taken to get this lawsuit settled, Pitino yeah. has already gotten another team to the uh, to, to March Madness. <laughs> so Ramsey kind of seems like, I mean, you know, some of those athletes have like a, has like a red shirt season. They just feel like that they're at a school for like ten years or something. Mm-hmm. Just kind of get that feel with Ramsey. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been gone now for a few years. Ben Dapudi obviously uh, is the president today. But uh, when did she come in, Chris? Was that twenty nineteen? I guess, or was that twenty eighteen? No, that was in twenty eighteen. Okay. So this actually the so at least so far, the administration of Neely Ben Dapudi and this lawsuit follow each other uh, almost in perfect parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she came in, and then this lawsuit was maybe filed. just weeks, just yeah. a few weeks after she was announced as the permanent president. So this whole thing has kind of shadowed her administration. And by keeping this lawsuit going, you know, there's one way to look at this, and this is, I guess, getting into the the sharpest opinions in kind of analyzing the situation. Univers- the University of Louisville is keeping the ghost of James Ramsey around by trying to pursue this lawsuit instead of just. Reaching like settling it with and these guys mm-hmm. and just getting over it and moving on in full 100% yeah. committed to the future and to a certain extent blocking out the past so they can move on from that just crazy chapter in the universe, university's history and get focused on the future, which is where they want to be. And if you talk to them now, that's what they want. They want to talk about what's going on now and their big plans, especially around their strategic planning process. But yeah. They keep the lawsuit going. We got. I was surprised to see his name back in the headlines uh, last week when uh, when you found that story. So, so yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, just uh, the the saga continues. Um, uh, Let's see. Let's move on from there. We'll talk uh, about one more topic here. Uh, Churchill Downs uh, this week announced that it is nixing plans for a $300 million hotel there at the track that would have had 
uh, track side suites and non-track side suites. I figured since we're getting close to Derby, we'll talk about that. Um, it just, they said during, or their CEO said during an earnings call yesterday that it just wasn't the time to build a new hotel considering the concerns around travel and that sort of thing. Obviously, uh, there for a minute, it seemed like everyone was coming to Louisville and building a hotel. Like that was a, <laughs> that was a thing that you did. Uh, but, uh, now some of that's slowing down, obviously hotel occupancy hasn't, uh, quite recovered from the coronavirus pandemic. It is going up and we expect to see it pretty high. Uh, next week during Derby, which I think downtown is going to be weird next week because it's going to feel like old times because there's going to be it's going to feel like tourists. 2019. Yeah, there's going to be tourists <laughs> everywhere. It's going to be so great. I'm, I'm so Bring looking forward. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird to see people like on Fourth Street Live and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, it's off topic, but uh, you know, I thought Jason and I were talking about Churchill Downs earlier this week. Um, you know, and then this hotel project got canceled. So Churchill Downs, you know, it seems like it's missing something. I'm standing across Central uh, Avenue looking at it, and I think it it needs work. Like I'm I'm not going to be quite as mean to Churchill Downs as I was to Norton Commons just now, but. It, you know, I mean, there obviously some things need to happen there. It, it's just not as beautiful as it could be. I mean, when you compare it to something like Keeneland, which, you know, everyone, you know, remarks about how beautiful that is. Uh, I do think Churchill Downs needs some work. So I just want to ask you guys, what's something you'd like to see in Churchill Downs? Uh, Brooke, I'll start with you. I'm so glad you're starting with me because I have an out-of-the-box idea. So okay. Well, bring wait, it on. Right, I can't wait to I'm do it. Okay. So... It's not necessarily an improvement to the facility, which I, you know, fine, you know, like let's spruce some things up, but it's more of um, an investment in the community. And, um, you know, here in post COVID or still COVID times, right, they have this awesome outdoor facility, right, that's only open certain times of the year during meets. But what if we had, what if we use this facility for community events? Um, you know, like we have night racing during the, during the meets, you know, that's really cool. I love going to that. I love, not, yeah, if, I love night racing too. What if we had like movie nights, you know, where they're using that big screen and they show a movie and people can be spaced out and mm -hmm. in different areas we have, what if we have uh, a concert series or the orchestra goes out and plays there in the, in the big, in the infield or right there, mm -hmm. um, in that grassy area on the turf or something like that. And we have people that are able to, you know, this huge facility pack them in as at, at a distance, safely, safely. Um, but yeah, what we have this wonderful treasure here in the center of our community, um, and in an area that doesn't have a lot of event venues or special events or things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can reach an area and a group of people that don't often have um, the access to things like that. Going downtown to an orchestra concert or going to see a movie or something like that. And here it is, this outdoor area. Um, gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? Mm -hmm. So that's that was my Brilliant. idea of, Love of what so if anybody's listening someone pass that up channel because i think that could be really cool <laughs> i think so too i'm on board jason what do you think yeah yeah well it's kind of in a similar vein with community investment but also i think we could use some commercial commercial investment in that immediate area david you and i talked about this exact thing it's it's you know that you go to churchill down i get it it's a destination area but there's not 
really anything to do in the immediate area outside the track? What if mm-hmm. it was a village type setting with bars and restaurants and community events and mm-hmm. you know, like area? outside of Wrigley Field or you yeah, know uh, or Fenway a, Park? You know, they, there's like there's there's restaurants and bars. Right. Around. So. And Speedway did exactly that around the Indianapolis, you know, 500, uh, the Speedway up there. They really made a big investment to, you know, make it more pedestrian friendly and uh, more business friendly to make it more of a, um, you know, a village environment of, you know, area attractions. And so I, I know what you got the college right there. And there's, you know, you think about the college, there's really no village type area except that little spot on third street with like the Qdoba mm-hmm. and everything. It just, it seemed like there'd be a good synergy there for some kind of, you know, related investment. Yeah. Cause yeah, you that's have, an awesome idea too. Yeah. For real. I mean, you well, have it's David's idea, but I just kind of stole it. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, we were talking, it was a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you have Papa John's or excuse me, excuse me. Cardinal Stadium, right there. I'm, 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 I'm one of them Louisvillians. I'm one of them Louisvillians. I call things by their old names. You're going to call it the old Sears forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the old Sears. Oh, you have Cardinal Stadium, formerly Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, right there. You have L just up the road a ways. You have Churchill Downs right there. It's like you don't have pedestrians or people walking around. You have a lot of parking lots. You have a lot of traffic moving too fast, but you don't have... Like, that could be, like, a real, I guess, I don't know, lively pedestrian kind of place. I mean, that whole part of town, but it's not. Uh, and and I'm not, you know, the neighborhood down there is fine. It looks like any other neighborhood from that era right. uh, as far as the residential. But it's just there's not a lot of, like, uh, like Jason said, shopping and that sort of thing. When I think that you can point to, like, what they've done with the Butchertown Stadium as a case to, like, kind of emulate, you know, mm-hmm. their not only did they build the stadium, but they're working up the restaurant, the, the retail, you know, really trying to revitalize that area and make it a, a um, destination, not just for the stadium, but for, you know, all kinds of other life things, you know, restaurant, you know, going out to eat, shopping, whatever. So I think that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Build a Norton Commons around. I was going to say, can you put a Norton Commons and put it right <laughs> <laughs> Larson, you got anything on this one? A little bit. Um, from from kind of an outsider's perspective, I'm a little surprised at how kind of bound in that uh, that Churchill Downs is by neighborhoods. Like when whenever I hear talks about like expansion or adding new things to Churchill Downs or improving it in some way, like I wonder like where on earth are or like are you going to do that and who's not going to win in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that you got to, at least I, you got to look at as a, as a healthcare reporter is, you know, you look at the whole world through kind of a different lens on how this is going to literally affect, you know, a person as like a patient and their health, but then also like how is an institution going to try to help take care of them? Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I look at that area and when I drive through there, I have a lot of, a lot of worries about, you know, infrastructure, people being able to commute and get around there who actually live there. Mm-hmm. Because all of us get to enjoy Churchill Downs and not have to deal with it 365. We go, mm-hmm. you know, one day a year for Derby, two days, you know, two days for Derby and Oaks. And then we're, we might, we, we collectively as, you know, hosts and as listeners to this podcast, we're probably down there a couple times a year. Yeah, but what about the people who are on Utah Avenue, which is where I go, usually I go park my car. 
Mm-hmm. Every time mm-hmm. I got to go cover the Derby, just because a it's in that area, and b I'm I'm from Utah. He's from Utah. Yeah, I'm from Utah. And I go I go find that Shenango Park on it. I have a nice walk in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um. So I don't have any answers there, which is probably a little bit unsatisfactory for the conversation and for you know for listeners. But you know, part I think increasingly, you know, part of the conversation has to be about you know how is this going to impact the people that are living there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that goes to what I've said and what Jason have said. It's community investment. And, you know, maybe instead of investing in that hotel right now, maybe you pump some of that money back into the community and let it flourish and thrive and then watch it grow and mm-hmm. um, and then build a hotel later or something like that. Yeah. And I feel like the hotel, I don't know, like we not right now. <laughs> not right now. And actually, sorry. Random notebook, something that I've actually seen pop up a couple times in some of the other business pubs that I read, but the price of lumber is actually up about two hundred percent from you know the from the before times. We were talking about this last going night. To have a major impact on commercial real estate. On any, yeah, I mean, you can go ahead and talk about improving Churchill Downs or building new hotels, but holy cats, if you're going to be building anything, it's going to cost you a lot more, and. No one's going to visit it because we're in the we're in this pandemic where people are still wary about travel, even though we're seeing signals about people wanting to be able to get out. Okay, last question: Is Utah the Norton Commons of America? <laughs> I actually think it is. So, okay, so people are talking about like places like Boise, Idaho, or um, you know other places kind of in the West that are that are re- relatively small, mm-hmm. uh, but lack a certain level of uh, gravity as far as their business core goes to attract professionals but people are moving out there anyway just because they have they happen to have fiber internet and with the work from home boom that we're in oh yeah sure buy a house that's twice as big for half the price as in a beautiful place in a beautiful <laughs> place that has all the great stuff that you can do outdoors which is the only thing you can do these days uh, but utah's got its own problems um the Salt Lake Valley is very finite and, uh, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money still to build a house there. Mm-hmm. Still not as bad as like California, S- Seattle, Boston, you know, any yeah. of these other big places along the coasts. But yeah, Utah, I- I'd say Utah's the Norton Commons. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I'm going to uh, Yellowstone uh, next month, Chris, and uh, I'm not too far from Salt Lake City. I'm maybe like three hours from there. Uh, I thought about stopping by the Chris Larson Boyhood Home Museum, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to. Right next to Brigham Young, as I'm sure. <laughs> it does look like a cool place I'd like to visit, but three hours is maybe too long of a drive. I'll just have to, I'll have to catch it another time, I think. But. Yeah, definitely. If you want to go skiing, go go out there. Spend some yeah, time. I'm uh, actually, I've skied once in my life. I'm not much of a skier, so. Um, like hiking? I do like hiking, yes. So well, that's that's what we're doing in Yellowstone. A whole bunch of hiking. we figured that was a very COVID safe vacation. Um, so, but uh, bears. yes, I'm, I'm deathly worried about getting eaten by a bear. Um, there was somebody I just read a story in the New York Times this week that someone in the backcountry of Yellowstone was mauled to death by a grizzly bear. He was fishing, and I guess he got too close to this moose carcass. Uh, and the bear thought, no, don't take my moose carcass and killed the guy. <laughs> so, and he was like, you know, he had bear spray and everything. It's, it's freaking me out. I keep reading about bears. Stay away from, stay away from moose carcasses. Well, I don't, who knows if he even saw that moose carcass, you know, maybe he didn't, if he was just fishing, he maybe didn't see that. But 
Ah, I'm scared. But anyway, I'll, uh, I'm staying. I, I'm following all the precautions. He was in the back country. I won't be going to the back country. So I'll, I'll, I'll be staying right there in the mainstream areas. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that's the headline for the, uh, for the show. I am deathly afraid of bears. <laughs> I am bears. Bears are terrifying. Uh, I was in um, Gatlinburg. Revenant, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Gatlinburg one time and got chased by a bear um not very far i think the bear was just trying to scare me away but uh and, took and a job few, done and, yeah and job done <laughs> took a few very fast steps towards me and i ran for my life <laughs> you're supposed anyway. to just stay in there aren't you come on you are supposed to stand there but let me tell you when a bear starts chasing you <laughs> it's really hard to just stand there <laughs> but um hope, luckily the bear didn't want to he just she it was because she had cubs uh, she just wanted me to get the hell away from her cubs, I'm sure. So, anyway, I'm going on about bears. Let's wrap this show up. Uh, we'll go around the room and tell everyone where bears can find us on social media. Uh, Jason, I'll start with you. Yeah, they're going to sniff me out on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Scoop Thomas, and I'm on LinkedIn just under my name, Jason Thomas. All right. Uh, Brooke, how about you? You can find me on Instagram at, at btimmons26. Um, I'm very active there. Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, but um, that's all you can do is find me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, how about you? Well, the uh, bears can prowl into my DMs on Twitter at Chris. And if you want to make an Ursine connection, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Big right. word. See what I tell you earlier. See, there it is. I just, I, I infer from context what it means, but uh, anyway. Um, where can we find you, Dave? Where can they find me? They can find me running away. Uh, <laughs> and they can find me on Twitter at BFLU. Oh, no, wait, I changed my Twitter handle. My Twitter and Instagram handle is now DMAN3001. You can find me on both those services there. Also, I'm frequently on LinkedIn as well. You can just find me under my name there. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast on popular services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Thank you very much, Jason, Brooke, and Chris. And thank you guys for listening at home. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>